This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. Amen. Well, thank you, Johnny, and good morning, everybody. It's great to see you. Great to have you with us. Um, I think I did spot a few people uh, coming in this morning who maybe I haven't met yet, so uh, looking forward to catching up after the service. Uh, My name's Travis, one of the pastors here, and man, do I believe in what we are doing here as a church family. Well, there's a story, a very famous story um, in your Bibles. I'm sure many of you know it. Uh, It's about two uh, sisters uh, and a particular incident that Luke records for us. And this incident always sort of stands out for me as kind of almost not fitting with the rest of the Gospels. Have you noticed that? It's like the rest of the Gospels, they're so focused on recording what Jesus taught, what he did, where he went, uh, his interactions with his disciples. And this seems like a a very, very private, almost personal incident uh, that's recorded. So there's obviously something for Luke as the one recording this that really stands out to him. And I think there's something that God clearly wants us to pay attention to about this interaction by including it for us uh, in his word. So I don't know if you know the story, but um, Martha and Mary, they open up their house. They're being hospitable. Jesus and a whole bunch of people come together, uh, and you know the story. Martha, she is a busy bee. She is left and right and doing all the things that she thinks she needs to do. Uh, Full commitment, full energy, lots of activity, lots of energy. And I think one of the reasons that this story jumps out and connects with us, even as kind of modern readers, is this idea that you can do all those things. You can be energetic and committed and have so much activity going on, and yet Jesus can say, that's not necessarily what I had in mind for you. All that energy, all that activity, all that commitment, all that deep love for Jesus, and yet what she was doing, doing was unthinkingly not the best thing that she could have been doing in that moment. Well, like Johnny and like Rachel, I can't believe that January is nearly almost over. Anybody else in that boat? (laughs) It's crazy, isn't it? And so January may well be the start of our calendar year, but I've always said that when it comes to churches, February is when the church calendar starts, doesn't it? And you've seen what those resumption slides going up um, before. Everything's about to kick off here at NVBC, from youth to kids ministry to connect groups to all the fitness and the various groups, after school care, before and after school care. It's all about to start happening. There's going to be lots of energy. There's going to be lots of activity, lots of programs, lots of things for us to do. And so I'd love to take the opportunity today to actually just give us a little bit of a, let's just catch our breath and think about the ways that we step into that as a church family. Because busyness and activity and energy and programs are not actually the goal or the purpose for why we do the things that we do, are they? And so allow me to take us Uh, to a different passage in Scripture today and just unpack, I think, some of the beautiful ways that we can remain focused and be fruitful in the ways that we serve and do ministry as a church family this year. Does that sound good? 
Nice. I don't know why I ask that question every week, because we do it anyway, no matter what you say in response. Um, but I'd love it. Could you just put up your hands if you are serving in some capacity in NVBC this year? You're part of the kids' ministry, youth ministry, you run a connect group, you're on welcoming, integration, uh, you're on a prayer team, you're on a board, elders. Yeah, you put them up. Come on, put them up high. You don't need to be ashamed about it. It's a good thing. Right? It's amazing, isn't it? Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you for serving. There's something wonderful about being the family of faith together and being on mission together. Uh, And if you're not yet serving, Johnny, I, the other parts, we'd love to explore that with you, uh, find your unique way to be part of what we're doing here in the life of the church. Um, But for us, this message, uh, I think today, has particular relevance as we start doing all those things, the youth groups, the the connect groups, the kingdom kids, um, the board meetings, the elders meetings, all the things that happen uh, in the life of our church. We don't want to be rushing through unthinkingly, hurriedly, doing all the activity and thinking that activity and busyness is the goal. But we want to come back to the very heart of what Jesus would have for us and for our church as we do. And so this morning, I'd love to take you to the book of Colossians. We're going to be in the last bit of chapter 1. So this is Colossians chapter 1. And in Colossians chapter 1, towards the end of the chapter, what Paul is doing is he's giving us a little window, a little insight into the ways that he goes about serving, the ways that he goes about leading, the ways he goes about doing ministry. Um, And he's not revealing this and he's not showing this in order to show off or to get some kind of thanks or appreciation. Uh, This is not an egocentric thing that he's doing here, but he's trying to gift to the church at Colossae a model that they can follow. In the same ways in other parts of the scripture, Paul will write to churches and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Here he is saying, well, this is how I serve. This is how I do ministry. And I invite you to pattern the ways that you do ministry and leadership and service off the ways that I do. Uh, And before he gets there, he has a beautiful, beautiful, what I would call uh, a gospel, gospel rant. And so we're going to pick it up in Colossians chapter 1 from verse 15. He's going to talk about why he does all this stuff. What shapes all of this leadership and all of this ministry. And these are such beautiful words that I'm actually going to invite you to stand. So I invite you to stand. The words are not going to be on the screen for this part of the message. But I actually just want to allow these words to wash over you. Uh, Maybe you want to actually close your eyes. Maybe you even want to hold out your hands as a way of receiving these. But this is Paul to the church in Colossae talking about Jesus and what Jesus has done. I'd love you to receive this this morning. The Son, speaking of Jesus, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. 
For God was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And then he gets personal. Once you, man, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy, holy in his sight, without blemish and free from any accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope that is held out in this gospel. Oh, Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for Jesus, for what he has done what it means for us individually and together as his body, the church. We pray, Lord, as always in all things, that we would know this, that we would embrace this, that we would respond to it in the ways that we live. And Jesus, we join with Paul in placing you first, supreme head over all things that happen at NVBC. In his mighty name we pray. Amen. That is good news, right? That's <laughs> why we call it the gospel. That God was pleased to reconcile you and I to him through what Jesus has done, placing Jesus the head of the church uh, and making him supreme in all things. Uh, so Paul, as he's introduced his, himself to the church in Colossae in this way, by going back over his theology, by celebrating the goodness of the gospel of Jesus, now shifts and starts talking about, as I said, his own patterns of leadership and ministry and service, the why behind the what, the things that drive all of the activity, all of the energy, all of the commitment that Paul lives out um, in his life. And so this is... Yeah, so verse 23. Uh, so this is the gospel that you have heard, he reminds them, and that's been proclaimed, of which I have become a servant. And so now I, so Paul, he's, he's putting the gaze back on himself now, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And there's a very complicated verse there. Um, for the sake of the body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission that God gave me. Uh, and so Paul, recognizing the good news of the gospel and recognizing the unique place and contribution that he has in the life of churches, sees himself as a, as a steward of this. That the gospel message is something that has been entrusted to him. That his role and his influence in the churches is something that has been entrusted to him. And so he has become this servant, servant of God, this servant of the gospel, and the servant of the people that he's seeking to help introduce to Jesus. And there's real cost in this. He talks about the suffering that comes along with this because of what he does. There's a cost to be paid in serving others and investing in others and pouring out your life in the hopes that others will grow into maturity in Christ. And yet underneath it is this deep joy. So you're serving at MVBC this year. I'd love us to learn from Paul the model of joyful servanthood. Uh, that he doesn't serve to 
big note himself. He doesn't serve out of a place of insecurity and needing to be liked, but he serves from this place of being entrusted with the gospel message, entrusted with these opportunities, these relationships that he has with the different people that he meets in the different churches um, that he gets to be a part of. And yet he has so much joy despite what it costs him personally. He loves it. He's excited about it. And so he pours himself out even more. Uh, has anyone ever been a maid of honor? A couple of people? Yeah, excellent, excellent. Uh, surprise, I haven't. Um, but uh, in fact, I am very rarely on bridal parties because I'm often getting invited to, 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 meet, uh, to be the celebrant uh, at, at weddings. Um, but one of the great things about being a celebrant is you get to really see and be up close and personal with what happens in the bridal party. You're often you know, right at the front. You can hear the whispers and the interactions that happen before and after the ceremony and all that kind of things. And so I love this picture of a maid of honor. Uh, particularly when they're, when they're younger. So in, in the early 20s when uh, friends, uh, your best, bestie gets married and you get invited to be a maid of honor, there is this deep sense of, oh my goodness, I've been trusted with the most amazing responsibility. This is so good. And, and so you'll see these maid of honors, these 22-year-old you know, girls, and they're not married, but their friend's getting married, and they're just so excited for their friend to be married. And so you just watch all day as this maid of honor will go out of their way to serve and to make sure that everything's right. They'll pick up the train of the dress out of mud. Hey, do you need anything to drink? Do you need anything to eat? Uh, all day just checking up, checking up, checking up. Um, get to the speech. They're all nervous, but they love the chance to speak affirmations over their friends. And so you'll just watch someone throughout the whole day have this real sense of, I'm entrusted with this amazing responsibility uh, and I sacrifice, I guess, the ways that I engage in, in this day, like other people, but I am so thrilled to be a part of it. And so you watch this smile never leave the face of a maid of honour. Maybe unless she's a maid of honour to a bridezilla. But, you know, in a normal world, in a normal healthy relationship, um, I just love seeing this. And for me, there's a beautiful picture there about the ways that we're invited into serve and minister and lead in churches. To actually recognize this is not something that we do out of obligation. This is not something we do out of pattern. This is not something we do because, oh, the need is there, and if I don't do it, no one else will do it. But there's a sense of, whew, God has entrusted me with something. My knowledge of him, my opportunity with people, and I'm going to step into it with joy not serving half-heartedly, out of compulsion, because people expect it of me, but because I delight in stewarding this gospel that I've experienced for myself. Making sense? Making sense? Yeah, just checking, just checking. We can go back over it. <laughs> Paul models this, and we see it in him. And I love it if we see it in ourselves as well, that we serve others joyfully stewarding the gospel and the gospel opportunities that we have as we do. So Paul goes on, I've been a servant uh, to, to share this with you. He is the one that we proclaim, he says. This is a mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but it's now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's going straight back to that gospel message that Jesus, Jesus, it's all about Jesus. 
And so as he talks about his ministry and as he encourages the Colossians and by extension us, he's reminding us that we need to have a Christ-centric ministry. Or we need to keep Jesus at the very center of why we're doing what we're doing, how we're doing what we're doing, what we're aiming at when we're doing it. Right? We're not just aiming at running church programs. We want it to be about Jesus and for Jesus, people meeting Jesus, people worshiping Jesus, people loving Jesus. Now, that makes sense, doesn't it? You know, when I was a, a very green youth pastor, um, I got invited into a, um, into a room of about eight other youth pastors across our denomination. Uh, and and they brought out this uh, amazing, like, just lifetime youth pastor uh, by the name, uh, a guy by the name of Duffy Robbins. And he was out doing a whole bunch of other things, doing conferences and whatever it is. But they recognized the importance of learning from those who have invested so much time in ministry. And so they got all us kind of (laughs) green youth pastors uh, in really significant ministries just to be in the room with this guy, to learn from him and to glean from him. Because this guy, I don't even know how old he was at the time. He must have been, oh, like surely, surely around 60, uh, and, and still committed to youth ministry and still absolutely killing it, like just doing a great job and raising the next generation. He was funny and engaging and all this kind of stuff. But all these years later, um, there's one thing I remember from, from that conversation, that we, and we spent a couple of hours with him. And he said, look, I could t- come up to your church next week, and, mate, together we could fill your church on Friday night. We could fill your youth group on Friday night. It is so easy. You just want to run the best party those kids have ever seen. Get the fireworks, get the free food, get the free alcohol, you know, have no rules, get the bands in, uh, and they will love it. They will come. We can feel your church. And he said, but what happens when the, the vibe train, the hype train leaves? What happens when those young people turn 18? And he said this phrase, he says, what you win them with, you win them to. What you win them with, you win them to. And he was still a proponent of actually running, having some attractional elements to your youth ministry program. But what he was saying is, it needs to be about Jesus. At the end of the day, you need to introduce young people to Jesus. People need to give their lives to Jesus. And maybe that won't fill up the room as much as the best party in your neighborhood. But then those young children, those young kids, they are going to go the distance with Jesus and be lifelong followers of him. I see Paul this do, do this so relentlessly and so committedly throughout all of his epistles. He constantly comes back to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus who Jesus is, what Jesus has done. Not just, yeah, talking about how to run a good religious organization. He wants people to know and love and respond to Jesus. And I remember really clearly um, a couple of months into my my time here, sitting over there as as I have gotten the terrible Baptist pattern of sitting in the same seat um, all the time. Uh, But I I remember in, in, in a service really clearly sitting there and feeling like the Holy Spirit so clearly said to me, give them Jesus. We can do a lot of stuff as a church, right? (laughs) We can do funny stuff up here. We can do entertaining stuff in here. Hopefully, we're always doing engaging things up here. Hopefully, we're doing good music and running good programs and all that kind of stuff. 
But at the end of the day, my conviction and I feel very clearly what God challenged me on here is that we must always be proclaiming him, sharing him, pointing people to him. He is the one who reconciles us to God. He is the saviour. He is the head of the church. And so I really want to just call out, if you're in a discipleship ministry in the life of our church, maybe you are working with our young kids in Kingdom Kids on a Sunday or maybe youth group on a Friday night, maybe you're hosting a connect group, give them Jesus. Christ-centric ministry in the ways that you prepare, in the ways that you pray, in the ways that you interact in those ministries, the ways that you serve, let him be supreme in everything. Make much of the person and work of Jesus and help point others to him. He is the one that we proclaim, Paul says, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So now he's getting a little bit nuts and bolts, isn't it? He's like, well, some of the activity that we do, some of the things that we do as we interact with people in our churches, in our ministries, uh, in our connect groups is, well, we actually need to teach some stuff about Jesus, and sometimes that means admonishing. It's it's not a word that gets a lot of airplay these days, but it's to correct, it's it's to guide, it's uh, together, this is to shepherd. We are shepherding people towards what? Maturity in Christ. Uh, This is, I think, the call to discipleship. And one of the things that we're doing in church life is that we're on about what Jesus told us to be on about, to be making disciples, fully formed, fully mature disciples that replicate as he commanded us to do. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Great commission. This is ringing some bells, hopefully, this morning. So what we're on about is about helping people become, so go back to that fine, fully mature in Christ. And so again, going back to the Mary and Martha situation, there's lots of things that we can do. Uh, There's lots of energy and activity that that we can do, but we need to remember that our methods are not our mission, okay? Our methods are not our mission. And so we don't serve our methods going, well, we need to do this activity, we need to run this program because it's working for some other church or we used to do it 40 years ago or we just think that's a really good thing to do. No, no, our methods serve our mission. And our mission is very clear. We're called to build and make disciples, disciples who are desperate for God, passionate for people. And so we organize ourselves and we run programs and we do ministries and we do do events and all the things that need to happen. We run a website, we write a newsletter, all these things so that we are layering up and helping shepherd people, shepherd ourselves towards increasingly growing up into maturity in Christ. I'm seeing some nodding of heads. I'll move on, or I'm going to get really stuck on this, because this is a really, really important point, <laughs> and it's something that I get super excited about. Uh, it's, it's why I've committed this year, um, <clears throat> and last year, uh, just for this. So if you weren't here uh, last week, uh, this is just a little 2024 invitation from me. Um, I've got a bunch of them uh, out there on that tall table. You can't miss them. Uh, On the way out, I invite you to take that, uh, take it home, have a read, have a think, have a pray, uh, and just write down. Uh, And I invited you to actually nominate an area of God in your life, ways that you want to see God move in your life this year. And I'm about halfway through actually praying through and even kind of discerning verses and things um, for those that have already brought theirs back in this year. And I really do appreciate it because it reminds me of what we're about. 
It's so easy for so much of my attention and my time and my energy to be about running the machine of church. But these remind me that it's about what God is at work doing in you, about how each of us as individually are responding and partnering with what God is at work doing in us. And as we multiply that out over our church, year after year after year after year, I think this is the thing that pleases God. I think this is the thing that that Paul is trying to get at in this passage. He's like, just don't run the thing. Don't just do the activity, but understand why and what you're going after. That we may all become mature, fully formed disciples of Jesus reaching out and inviting others to join us in that process. And so we teach and we admonish with all wisdom as we shepherd people towards that goal. And lastly, oh, discipleship oriented, uh, it's worth it. Oh, is it worth it? To this end, I strenuously contend, Paul says, with all of the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Oh, he's not mucking about this guy. This is not a little hobby. This is not a little tangent to his life. This is not a side hustle that he's doing. He is giving himself to this process. He's investing deeply in the lives of others. He's believing in what God is doing in the churches that he is serving and writing to and planting. To this end, I strenuously contend. To this end, fully formed, mature disciples of Jesus, I strenuously contend with all of the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. You know, we always recognize that it takes a toll. There is a cost to be paid. Time, mental, uh, emotional, relational for us to serve in different ways in the life of our church. Uh, Whether it is to be very deliberate in your neighborhood, in your workplace, through to serving on a team that, you know, something like the youth team or, or the connect team, you know, this weekly commitment to show up and turn up and be there. Same with our prayer team as well. And yet it is so, so worth it. It's so worth it. And it's worth our best effort. Why? Because it's about him and it's about stewarding the opportunity that we have with people. And so we joyfully serve. We make it about Jesus. We think through the lens of discipleship and we give it our all because I think that is what we're called to do. I think that's what's natural and appropriate. I think that's what's focused and fruitful. I think that gets us more like being a Mary than being a Martha. Just We just keep our focus and our gaze set Fruitful church ministry. It's not about running the machine of church, all the activity. It's actually about being purposeful and intentional and partnering with what God is seeking to do in the lives of those he's entrusted us. I think that's exciting. I'm excited about this year. I really am. And I do just want to say, if you're stepping into serving at the beginning of this year, and I know a number of you are, you're joining a team Uh, I pray that this message might stir something in your hearts and kind of orient you from the very get-go, that as you step in to serve in those ways, that you recognize serving and ministering and leading is about this kind of stuff. Uh, But maybe you've been serving and you've been ministering, you've been part of those teams for a long, 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 long time, uh, and you're starting to go a little bit on road, a little bit out of routine. Maybe that mission drift has kind of happened a little bit, and you just go, I've just still got to hang in there and keep going. Well, I pray this morning might just, just realign that focus and re-fire up that belly to go and believe what God is going to do in and through our ministries this year. So I'd love us to do something participatory and interactive. And I know how much of you love this. But church is a participatory sport. 
We are a community that's on mission together. So I'm going to invite, without any warning, sorry, um, if you are in our, one of our discipleship ministries, could you just stand up uh, right where you are? You're a part of Kingdom Kids, you're part of uh, Know Your Bible, you're part of uh, Valley Youth, uh, you run a connect group, just stand on up. It's all right, it doesn't matter if you didn't do your hair this morning, that's fine, it's just fine. I would want something different. Yeah, yeah. Love it. I love it. Oh. How, how brave are you feeling on a scale of 1 to 10, everybody? Just give me, give me an indication. Six? Seven? Ten! All right, excellent. Three. Okay, never mind. All right, we've got, we got, we got, got to mix, mix, mix. What I would love you to do, if you are sitting somewhere around these people that are standing, um, you don't have to do this, obviously, nothing's under compulsion, but um, if you want to grab someone next to you, just turn around and would you pray for them, not just for them, but, but for all um, of their teams as well. So we're going to pray over our discipleship ministries um, this year. I know there's so much more than I just listed, but can we pray for these people in particular right now? So I'm, I don't need to pray. We're going to pray as the church. So I'm going to turn my microphone off. Um, where you're sitting, if you're, if you're sitting, if you're standing, you can pray too. Um, just turn around and pray for somebody and pray for our discipleship ministries this year. Is that cool? That's what we're going to do. It feels um, very bad to interrupt prayer, but um, allow me to pray as well. Uh, Heavenly Father, we do just want to pray uh, a blessing uh, upon all our, our ministry teams oriented towards particularly um, that growing faith in the lives of others. Jesus, I just want to pray that you would give them everything that they need. Holy Spirit, that you would be at work every time that they interact, where they model faith, where they open up your word and, and explain uh, gospel truths. Lord, where they, where they sink in and take root, uh, not just something that we fill our heads with, God, but something we fill our hearts and our lives with. Lord, I do pray protection on them as well. Father, they will be able to remain focused and joyful in the ways that they serve throughout this year. We just ask this blessing upon them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, am I allowed to do one more group? No? Time, time. It, it, we, haven't even, we haven't even hit a, an hour in the service yet. Uh, uh, I think I've got two minutes. I, I just love to stand up if, if you feel like you, you're serving in a way that helps orient people towards uh, Jesus. So I'm um, thinking of, of our worship teams uh, in particular, uh, maybe our, our prayer, our ministry teams as well. Um, if you guys are happy just to jump up. That was like the weakest jump I've ever seen. <laughs> Stand up, yeah. Oh, no, 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 just where you are. Just where you are as well. Um, for, for the sake of time. I'll, I'll just pray over them uh, as well now, if that's cool. Uh, but Lord, we want to thank you for those uh, that, that help serve and help lead us uh, in praise and in worship and in prayer. Uh, Father, for those who have this unique role in the life of our church, uh, just to help facilitate that times, those times of transcendence, where we respond to your presence, the living God, pouring out our praise, pouring out our prayers, pouring out our worship. Lord, I just want to pray a blessing upon each and every one of their, their hearts and their lives with you. Oh, Jesus, every time they meet with you, may you be rich and full, and may they be leading from that place of, of deep, authentic worship when they come uh, to serve formally in the life of the church as well. 
God, would you lead them, I pray, uh, uh, in knowing how best to facilitate those times, how, how best to cultivate just a yeah, culture of worship and a culture of prayer and intercession right across our family of faith here at NVBC. Again, Lord, I ask for protection over them, recognizing how significant and how frontline of ministry it is that they uh, engage in here in the life of our church. Be pleased, I pray, to allow many, many of us to experience you in a new way this year through their ministry. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. All right, I'm getting the sense that I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't keep going, otherwise I will. Uh, but I love all the people who are involved in um, people ministry as well, whether it's from, from welcoming to help desk, um, uh, pastoral care um, ministry, uh, helping hands ministry, uh, that, that help us to actually just care for people and connect with people. Um, but I've talked enough. And we all like morning tea. And we definitely like worship as well. But I want to pray that's a real encouragement to you this morning. So I want to pray that's refreshing for you this morning. Particularly if you have someone who's just lobbed in at NVBC today, haven't been for a while, or, or, or maybe ever. That we're the kind of church that doesn't just want to play at being church. And we're not the kind of church that wants to do all the activities and all the programs because we think that's what we should do. But we want to be purposeful. We want to be intentional. We want to be spirit-led, vision-driven in everything that we do. Joyful, servanthood, Christ-centered, discipleship-oriented, and oh my goodness, worth our absolute best effort for his glory and the building up of his church family here at NVBC. Let's worship together. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.